Yes, it is Thursday. It is February 22. The Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab. A very good morning to you if you are just tuning in. These Champions League games, 10 uh, to 12 minutes in, scoreless between Porto and Arsenal and Napoli and Barcelona. Luton have a shock lead at Anfield. 1-0 heading towards half-time. Uh, Liverpool have multiple players out injured, the likes of uh, Salah and Nunes, amongst others. And Luton have taken advantage with a goal in about the 19th minute. Jurgen Klopp's getting very frustrated pitch side there at the moment. Last night in the cricket, Australia, an outstanding victory uh, as they chased down a huge total in Wellington. The match was at the Cake Tin. I think yesterday I said it was the Basin Reserve, but it was at the, uh, uh, the bigger venue there in Wellington. And it was a good, boisterous crowd there. New Zealand posted three for 215. And Rachin Ravindra, 68 of 35 deliveries. He had plenty of help, though. Devin Conway, 63. And uh, the other opener, Finn Allen, 32 off just 17 balls. And uh, the Aussie bowlers will certainly, a couple of them, cop some serious tap. Adam Zampa, three overs, none for 42. Glenn Maxwell bowled two overs, none for 32. Uh, A wicket for Cummins, Mitch Marsh and Mitchell Stark. In response, the Aussies... Four for 216. Tim David powering the Aussies to victory with a four off the final delivery when we needed four off the last ball. He was unbelievable one. It wasn't the worst ball from Tim Town. No, it was right. I I don't think they got their tactics right, New Zealand, in that last sort of three overs. And to Tim David, as I've said, I think you're better off going extra pace and using your short stuff to him. But uh, that the the actual shot to win us the game, Mm. it was it angled in towards leg stump. It was very full. He did well to get underneath. He mm. absolutely timed the he backside off it. it Mate, it? that was an unbelievable shot. So he was not out 31 off 10 deliveries, <laughs> Tim <laughs> David. And the other end, though, Mitch Marsh, the captain, yeah, who was player of the match. 72 not out coming in at number three off 44 deliveries. Travis Head, 24. Warner, 32 at the top of the order. Maxwell, 25 off 11 balls. Unreal. Inglis got 20. There were 36s. Yeah. Hitting the match. Yes. Yeah. So the, the next two games are going to be, you'll see the same. Tiny boundaries, different shape ground. Oh, Eden Park's Eden next. Park, oh. But Eden Park is tiny straight, where this ground that they just played had smaller boundaries, square of the wicket. So you have to, bowlers left again. You'll see the quicks bowl more back of a length in that sort of rib area. Want to see more cross bat shots um, rather than pitching it up and letting him hit down the ground. But yeah, it was, it was, a, great, it was a great game. I watched it all. It was. Uh, mm. New Zealand, Australia played brilliant. New Zealand lost the game. They dropped three catches they should have taken. And like I said, I don't think they got their tactics right. Uh, Mitch Marsh was brilliant. His innings was unbelievable with the bat. But just the way they played, like Australia would just, you could just tell from ball one, they thought they were going to get him. They just they just got so much confidence through that batting lineup, so much power. Um, no matter, that's why they like chasing. No matter what scores on the, they, no matter what total, they are chasing. They backed it. They got the power to, to chase it down. And mm. yeah, it was a great finish. Tim David belted them last night, and, and Mitch Marsh was was awesome as well. Eden Park, though, next. We haven't won a game of darts, marbles, or anything at Eden Park for 100 years. Someone who knows all about that. Hello, Berkey. <laughs> what about that segue? I was looking away, and you just caught me straight on the jaw. <laughs> but it's I true, it though. I haven't, won mar- I haven't won marbles. I haven't won anything there. So um, that's right. I mean, the boys go there and play. Uh, next, uh, I suppose, with that 
drop in pitch, but you know, Super Rugby kicks off and the boys are uh, the boys are starting. And uh, fortunately for, for I suppose some of the well, one of the Kiwi, uh, one of the Aussie teams that um, that they don't have to play any Kiwis to start with. So uh, fiery start for the Waratahs anyhow. It's going to be good. Well, state of origin to start with. Queensland yeah. taking on New South Wales. I tell you what, though, Berkey, the trial form from New South Wales hasn't been great. What are you re- reading into that? Yeah, keeping the cards close to the chest, aren't they, Loz? That's mm. the uh, that's the one. Um, look, I, I think um, look, you're right. State, state of origin style, and, and and Queensland always get up for it. Um, you know, I know New South Wales in the past have sort of you know tried to play down that sort of rivalry and and say, hey, it's just another game. But I think you have got to embrace uh, that kind of fever that's going to be up there at um, at Suncorp Stadium. Kissy's up there now. Les Kissy would have played against him, was perhaps back in the day, and and you know he's. He's taken over um, that area for, for Queensland as, as new coach, and, and he's you know he's sparking these guys up. They got a really good back row to um, uh, Queensland, and uh, they're going to be you know right around the park. Yeah, very good young Tom Liner is uh, won the number ten role. James O'Connor is, uh, is is a bit crook still, so he's not uh, he's not playing. So uh, old Michael Liner, um, former Wallaby, son's playing, and you know he can guide the team around really well. Um, but you know, from a Waratahs perspective, they they need to you know fire up and fire up really quickly. They've got a, um, a, a they do have a good forward pack. Um, they, they've got a young guy there called Miles Amrasiro coming in there from France. He's about you know six foot nine, I reckon. So they need to throw and you know and, and about one thirty, one thirty five. So he needs to throw his weight around and um, and the back one needs to uh, needs to kick into gear with uh, Tane Edbet. Um, at, at number ten, so it's going to be a tough one. And, and, and Queensland are favourite, and rightly so, after their form uh, through that preseason. It's going to be good. How much pressure's on the Waratahs, though, Berkey? I, I think we spoke a while ago, and, and I think you mentioned that they've they've got some good young talents through, but there, there's also an expectation that they have to start winning as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's that's professional sport, isn't it, Clark? Mm. You've got to be able to get to get the W's behind your name to. Yeah. To keep your to keep your job basically, you know, and, and it's a, and it's the same uh, through, I suppose, the coaching staff as well. So look, there's pressure there's pressure on uh, on the Waratahs from their from their performances last year. You know, making sort of quarterfinals, getting knocked out against the Kiwi teams. Yeah, and I know it, it's it's a focus for them to be able to you know get bigger, stronger, and, and compete in that um, in that area. But um, you know, having having those uh, a series of losses. Uh, is never good to start a season. It just sort of, you know, you question, you know, what you did at, um, at, at through that pre-season. So uh, from from last week uh, or, or, or two weeks ago to, to coming up um, this weekend, uh, it's going to be a, a massive shift in attitude. That's for sure. That's the first one. And the players have had a bit of a chat to each other. There's been a house of mirrors, so to speak, and and uh, they fly up to they fly up today this afternoon. They got a captain drunk. And uh, and get themselves sorted for SunCorp. So uh, a reality check coming their way. If they don't, um, if they don't front up, it's going to be um, it's going to be a big one for Queensland. So you're telling me they've had that chat <laughs> before the season's even started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mate, wow. I mean, after that uh, after yeah. that first that last game against Queensland, you know, it was all it was all attitude. You know, you know, mm. why wasn't there any spark in there? So um, in a way, a good thing that the players have uh, have taken mm. it over. Um, you know, you're training. I mean, you can. Everyone can train the house down. It's about performing on on the park, isn't it? And and that getting over that opposition player. So, um, you know, expect uh, expect something completely different. I think on Saturday night. Uh, this uh, Rebels Brumbies match being played under 
well, obviously the the background of the situation with the Rebels and, mm. and their future, which must be horribly difficult uh, for the Absolutely. players, uh, you know, to be playing under these circumstances as the club fights for its future. Uh, but uh, they've got a decent squad as well. So how do you see this match playing out? Uh, this is Friday night at Amy Park with the Rebels plus six and a half with Tab two dollars eighty and the Brumbies at dollar forty two. Yeah, I think I think the Brums will still get there. It's great to see Noel Olaseo come back. He had his stint over in France last year after being left out in the wilderness from uh, any type of uh, Australian selection. Uh, so he'll guide the team around. Lonigan uh, there is at number nine. He's captaining the team. But you know, again, they've got a they've got a full house. They've got a stacked house in in that uh, in that team with with Brumbies as uh, uh, Wallabies as well in that in that Brumbies team. So I expect them to win just purely for their for that ability to you know, just grind it out. But the Rebels, I tell you what, you talk about you know, playing for your future. Um, you know, these guys, as we've heard, are uh, un- uncertain what's going to happen next year. Um, and, uh, you know, do they put themselves out for, for market or to market to, to pick up another spot somewhere else, whether it's overseas or being absorbed into Australian rugby? So there's so many connotations uh, about this to go forward. So um, How do they yeah, deal with that, though, Berkey? That, that, that's got to be a distraction for the players. The players? Oh, 100%, Clarkie. You know, 100%. You know, we can pay you this, uh, this week and maybe the week yeah. after and the week after wow. that. But, you know, in 13 weeks' time, uh, thereabouts, you may not have a, um, a job. And, and then, you know, that goes through to... That has the add-on effect to go to, to, to the Super W. Uh, it has uh, an add-on effect to go through to the, you know, the I suppose the, the club yeah. system that, that's down there as well. And, you know, losing out on a on a somewhat of a, a, you know, a foothold down there they've had for a couple of years trying to trying to get going against uh, AFL. Obviously, they're not going to try and compete against it, but they've got their own little niche down there. So, look, there's there's so many people uh, already who've lost their jobs, and uh, and you don't want um, you, know, you don't want that to happen to to, to anyone in, in that um, in that regard. So it's, it's a yeah, they'll be under so much duress before the game. It's it's, it's quite incredible, I reckon. And uh, the Force are up against the Hurricanes, up against mm. New Zealand opposition. What can we expect from the Western Force this season? Yeah, they've recruited really well. Um, you know, so Simon Cron, their coach over there, was uh, with Waratahs for a while. They've they've, they've recruited well. Um, uh, again, they they they've, they've Nick White has, has gone over there. Ben Donaldson has gone over there now. So they've got a you know a Wallabies sort of halves. They've got a good forward pack as well. Um, uh, they've, they've re-signed the coach for another couple of years, so they're obviously pretty impressive what he's done so far. Uh, expect some good things of them. I, I, I don't mind the force. Um, I still think the Kiwi teams are that, are that next step up. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to uh, turn up the pace, so to speak. Uh, then you look at someone like the Chiefs, uh, Crusaders. Crusaders have lost, lost a lot of players. Richie Mwanga being obviously the big one, has gone to Japan. Uh, and so the Chiefs are, uh, I think, the front runners this year as well. Big, strong, fast. So Look, we start again, boys, and it's um, and it's going to be a, a, a real, um, I suppose, litmus test for, for some of those teams when they when they roll out the first round of, of Super Rugby. I know it's on another network, uh, uh, Berkey, but, but mm. have you seen the documentary on the Wallabies? No, not yet, not yet. No. Uh, has it come out yet? I think it's like a twenty, twenty, twenty second. Maybe came out last night. But I saw it. I saw it being advertised. Mm. Um, and then I thought, well, I want to watch that. I know the result. Maybe got punted. No one, no one liked it. Mm. So it was like, you know. Uh, so it, it, I, th- I think what it, what it will be is um, uh, to get a to get an interest level from the players. I think it was. Um, you know, I mean, the, the 14 times that Jane said, "No, I'm not going away." Uh, I think the players knew, and I think uh, I think that must have affected them. Uh, it'll be good to get their perspective um, 
of it as well. Got a bit of time to do it, boys. I'm up in Dubbo uh, today. Genius well, what's State up there? Uh, for the touch footy. So we're um, the kids are up there playing Junior State Cup for, for that northern region. So we've got a bit of time on our hands. So we'll be watching games and games and games of football being played, touch footy being played, which is great. Uh, it's so good. Everyone just, yeah, there's literally 20,000 people up in Dubbo the uh, next couple of days. So it's, it's frantic and it's good footy being played. So I get my, fi- I get my fix of footy literally from 8 a.m. to sort of 10 p.m. at night. How many laps you do? Come on, uh, how, many, how many laps around oh. the ground? I reckon it's going to be 25,000 steps. So I reckon that, that's going to be a, a, a good guarantee for a couple of days. <laughs> good on you, mate. Good on you, boys. Jared Duffy, a very good morning. Morning, Mido. Okay, let's uh, start with the cricket tomorrow where we've got the choice of the Australia-New Zealand T20 or the England-India test where Clarkie's been making oh, some strong wait. statements on other networks. That. He's been cheating on us. Never. 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 <laughs> Chipping England? Um, no, no, okay. I'm, tip, I'm tipping India. I just can't wait to see how England go about their work. How they bounce back? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's going to be a great Test match. It's a pretty similar market to what it was uh, last week. India a dollar forty-five, England three sixty, and the draw pretty much unwanted at eight dollars. So all of those normal bet types are open, but they're pretty warm favourites. India. Mm, what about the Aussies after last night, buddy? In this second T20. Market, uh, nearly exactly what it was this time yesterday, yeah, Clarkie. Yeah. New Zealand, uh, the outsiders at $2.50. Australia, $1.53. I know they run down the table. It was an exciting finish, wasn't it? I had a right, look yeah. at the half-time market. Uh, Australia were $3.10 then. They would have got to much, much bigger odds in the second half, but uh, an amazing turnaround getting late in that match yeah. in particular. Any money for Penrith in that World Club Challenge, Duff? There is, Loz. Now... We're going to getting out and out. Uh, they're now the top price they have been. We've had this one open for six or eight weeks. They're two dollars seventy. Penrith a dollar forty-five. Uh, that starts now crept out to six points. It was four points a week ago. So there's plenty of bet types open on that. And we've also got the uh, the weekend preseason challenge matches up. I'll just mention the Friday night ones. The, all of the others are there. But Friday night, uh, a double header, South a dollar fifty-five. The Roosters two forty-five. That line four and a half points, and a pretty similar market. Cronulla v the Dogs. Cronulla a dollar sixty. The Bulldogs two thirty-five. Three and a half to start there. And uh, we mentioned the Super Rugby starting this weekend mm. as well. So uh, uh, the Reds are favourites, aren't they, against the Waratahs? Yeah, they are. There's actually been two big moves in these matches now. The first one, Friday night, it's a triple header Friday night and then a triple header Saturday. The Chiefs and the Crusaders, the two faves to win it, actually they've changed positions. The Crusaders were the original favourite to win it. It's now the Chiefs at 3.25 ahead of the Crusaders. But we opened up the Chiefs on Monday at 158. They're into 145. The Crusaders, $2.70, a line of five and a half points. And the Reds uh, in that match on Saturday night, they opened at 160. They're into 153. The Waratahs, 2.45, that line four and a half points in favour of the Reds. And Berkey mentioned uh, the fact that, uh, well, there's two things. The Rebels have been three into 280, so there's a few fans out there for them to get the win against the Brumbies on Friday night, $1.42. But in that late match, it's been some money for Western Force, $4 into three sixty. Uh, the Hurricanes $1.28. That line 12.5 points into 10.5. So he did sort of suggest the Western Force might be OK this uh, this year and there's been some interest in them to win game one. And the supercars start this weekend as well, Daph. Yeah, we've got uh, race one at Bathurst up for Saturday. 
Loz and Will Brown, the favourite, four ahead of Brock Feeney at 4.50. Chaz Mostert has been 5.50 into five. Cam Ward is six. Todd Hazelwood at nine. The rest are ten or better. And just on that title, we've still got the title there with Brody Kostecki in it uh, because he hasn't really been 100% ruled out yet. So Will Brown, the favourite, 3.50 ahead of Brock Feeney. Brody Kostecki, 3.75. Mostert at 5.50. So race one is open for Saturday, and obviously after that's completed, uh, we'll put race two up for Sunday. Uh, surprise, surprise, the Waterhouse Bot Stable has a stranglehold on the market for another uh, feature two-year-old race, being the Tab Silver Slipper this weekend, but uh, we're very interested as well in Foxy Cleopatra and the Peter Young at Caulfield, and as she goes to way for age, I'm not seeing an avalanche of money there for Foxy Cleopatra yet, Daff. Daff. I, I, I had a look uh, yesterday. I think she was around about that 7 or $8 mark. Yeah, 9 bucks. Right? Open $9, so she, got to $10. So it. I've been listening intently for any kind of rap, but I haven't really got one yet. No, no strong push yet, Daff. Oh, you just wait for the signal, mate. <laughs> <laughs> What a smoke signal. <laughs> what I'll is send it signal, through. Actually? Yeah, big meetings, yeah. Uh, both Rose Hill and Caulfield Saturday. Obviously, we've got all of those markets open. And I suppose uh, one thing about Caulfield, that Blue Diamond Stakes, you'd think in all likelihood the winner or some of the beaten division will probably feature in the Golden Slippers. So at the moment, Coleman the favourite there at 420. But Bodyguard, who has been well-backed in the slipper, second pick at $5.50. Thank you, Jared. See you, lads. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. So Liverpool fans just have that awful feeling at the moment as they're down 1-0 to Luton in the 50th minute of their Premier League match this morning. Uh, in the Champions League matches in progress, round of 16 first leg ties, they're still scoreless. Porto and Arsenal after 37 minutes and Napoli and Barcelona after 36. Uh, now... Last night in the cricket, it was a thrilling match, which Australia won, courtesy of a boundary off the last ball. They needed four off the last ball. Tim David stepped up and muscled it to the boundary. So New Zealand posted three for 215. Australia in response, four for 216. Mitch Marsh, the judge player of the match, for his 72 not out of 44 deliveries after he took one for 21 off three overs with the ball as well. And David at the end there, 31 not out of 10 balls. Uh, Marsh, by the way, hit seven sixes. And uh, all around, some of those bowling figures looked uh, pretty average, to say the least. Tim Southey, four overs, none for 52. Uh, Adam Milne, four overs, one for 53. Mitchell Santner, the captain, he took two wickets. Pup, he bowled some balls. Some <laughs> lob-ups, you called them? <laughs> They were Pace just off the ball, gift wrapped meat pastry, mm. like just sumptuous gift wrapped <laughs> feasts. Uh, he got, but even uh, I thought, he having three not played he got for three wickets, twenty years, he? Uh, he got two wickets. Two. But he bowled some of the tastiest deliveries. Any mm. batsman would just love to gobble up. Mm. I think it was oh. a. Um, Seriously. Yeah, he was asked after the game, well, they only use five bowlers if they, he was asked should they bowl some of their part-time. It's it's a hard mm. – when you've got an absolute belter of a pitch and you've got so much power in both batting lineups, it's, you don't want to be a bowler full stop. So 20 overs, 216, that's – you're getting pumped as a bowler. Mm. And I don't think the next two T20s are going to be any different 
Again, small boundaries, good wicket. Um, so, yeah, I think, again, you you know, you look at both bowling performances. There's certain overs where, um, and the spinners particularly, you know, I think Zampa got met, Maxi got tapped, and uh, Santner got hit as well. But at least he picked up a couple of wickets. But I think, yeah, I think it's just the, it's that format on a pitch like that. And teams now, they're just... Man, unbelievable. Hmm. Just how many runs they can score off and over. How comfortable, probably more importantly, they feel, you know, chasing 20 off the last over and thinking we'll get it easy. 15 off the last over, whatever they need. But, yeah, Mitchell Marsh uh, certainly deserved man of the match. Bowled really well, firstly. um, And then his innings was brilliant. And then Tim David, 30 off 10. They get better than that. Australia are scheduled to play three T20s in August against Afghanistan, but set to be in the UAE naturally due to security security concerns over there in Afghanistan. But you know, Cricket Australia is still to tick off whether we'll actually play a bilateral series against them against a raid, a country that's ruled by the Taliban. Were you ever faced with this? I remember Stuart McGill. I think it was Zimbabwe, uh, Zimbabwe, yeah. and that was due to the fact, obviously, Mugabe was still in ruling the country yep. at the time. Yeah. Well, I think what happened um, on that, I went on the one-day tour. Yeah. So I think, some, if I remember correctly, the test tour got called off or postponed. But before it got called off, I think Stewie, I think Stewie McGill, and I remember there was one other player. I wonder if it was, I wonder if it was Jason Gillespie. I just got dizzy in my head. I don't know mm. why. But yeah, Stewie McGill certainly pulled out of that, the test part of the tour. But then it didn't go ahead anyway. And we ended up going over for, I think it was three one-days. That was my, um, that wasn't my, wasn't my one-day debut, but I think it might have been my first, actually, I can't, it was, it was early on in mm. my in my career sure. anyway, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did go to Zimbabwe, uh, and it was, restrictions were, like, we weren't, we were pretty much ho- airport, hotel, cricket ground, mm. and weren't allowed to, to leave the hotel, but um, I think... That conversations like this happened regularly. Like there was time we went, we were in the UK when bombs went off. We were in, uh, there was, I think there was a bomb uh, day or a couple of days before we left for an Indian tour that that Mm. went off in India. So there was, there's a lot of conversations that happen behind closed doors. And I think as a player, you try and stay out of it as much as you can and leave it to the experts. You leave it to Cricket Australia to speak to the the, the government um, and allow their expertise to tell us if it's safe to travel. And then you you generally, as a player, you, you back that advice. Um, you do have the right, though, as Stewie did for that Zimbabwe tour. He, he you, you do have the right to, to not go or to pull out. But, yeah, for me personally, I found listening to the experts and then back in their judgment um, was probably the the place I'd like to be. We're about to talk athletics heading towards Paris, fellas, and there's a big furor in regards to long jump. Now, I'm sure all of us in little athletics in you yeah, know, primary school, we all did long jump. Got to get behind the board, right? The the wooden board. Well, your foot can't to, touch the line, could well, it? can't go over the wooden board. Okay, can't yes. Go, you yes, can't yes, have yes. any portion of your foot over the top, okay. over the board. Yeah. Well, World Athletics wants to scrap the wooden board yeah. and have a bigger takeoff zone. And therefore, you'll jump. Therefore, you know, you'll nearly have no false jumps. Yeah. So, you'll have a big takeoff zone 
and your jump is measured from where you took off to where you landed. So therefore, making, you know, virtually every jump you do will count. What do you reckon? Well, it's caused, as you could imagine, it's purist. Changing so the rules. Is Carl there. Lewis, yep. one of the greats of all time, yep. he's come out and said, I thought this was an April Fool's joke, and it would be great to get more perspective on this and also how some some people, particularly Rowan Browning and other athletes, are going as they head towards Paris uh, this year. Joining us, he was, uh, well, he was a three-time Olympian himself, a formal trip, former triple jumper, Competed at Atlanta 96, Sydney 2000, Athens in 2004. He coaches Aussie sprint sensation Rowan Browning. And his son, Connor Murphy, is also a triple jumper who we've had on the show previously. Joining us, as I mentioned, former Olympian and athletics coach, Andrew Murphy. Andrew, good morning. How are you? Hi, gentlemen. How are you going? Really well, thanks, and appreciate your time. And uh, you're obviously heavily involved in these athletes' road to the biggest competition of their lives. And as someone who's been there, what's key to handling the pressure as the game's nears? I think realistically just having a really good process in place. Um, we have a really good team behind us. Um, so we try to make it you know, business as usual, basically. Trying to, you know improve on on the protocols and the processes that we've we've put in place from our training and and from our our crew that we work with Andrew what's your take on this long jump saga that Mido's just told us about I, yeah. I, I think I think in sport in general we we like what we what we know and change is yeah. very hard um, how do yeah. you see this panning out look I try to stay pretty open-minded yeah. um, you know Technology is advancing all the time, um, and if you aren't able to think outside the square, or, or you know, maybe go, well, look, I'll look at it a different way. Yeah. Um, you you get left behind. Um, look, I can see where Carl Lewis is coming from. Um, it will no doubt um, affect all the world records, national records, um, continental records, and those type of things, but. In terms of seeing who the actual best athlete is, it will tell us that mm. because there are plenty of athletes who have jumped big fouls, but they don't count. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of a somewhat open-minded. Maybe it could be something like, you know, we have a traditional competition so that the current world records are, are there to be broken. And then we have, you know, something like this that they're proposing, a little bit more alternative. And, and naturally, from a spectator element, it's mm. more attractive, isn't it? A hundred percent. I mean, so, no one wants yeah. to see foul. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. You know, obviously, it's purist versus... Yeah, of course. You know, it's like 2020 cricket, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Rowan yeah. Browning and his progress, Andrew. Is it, how's he mm. tracking? Look, we've done um, probably a lot more high-intensity work than we've ever done before. Um, and I think that probably really showed in his 200 in Melbourne. Um, he probably is still a little bit off really fast race pace in the 100. I think that's just more likely to do with the type of training we've done over the last four months since returning from Budapest at World Champs. So I'm, I'm really happy where he's at. Um, I think it was probably one of the best 200s I've ever seen him run. Sadly, the conditions weren't conducive to run a really fast time, but we're considering maybe seeing if we can do a couple more 200s 
this season. Mm. So, and is the two hundred just a plan for training, or is he aiming to run two hundred at the Olympics? Look, you never say never. Um, I'm a big fan of, you know, sometimes when you're chasing that that golden that golden carrot, so to speak. Um, and for Rowan, it's been sub ten for some time now. Um, maybe by doing, you know, a 200, having a little bit of focus on that, um, it maybe just takes a bit of pressure off. Mm. And all of a sudden, bang, um, what we thought would have happened uh, a fair bit sooner happened straight away. And, uh, and Andrew, I, I re- was reading about <clears throat> Rowan and the plan was to stay in Australia this year and have more meets here rather than travelling overseas. What, why did you yeah, decide look, to do that? Uh, we're certainly not going to spend as much time in Europe. It's it's very tiring spending, you know, three months overseas or or longer. Um, you know, you're you're out of routine, you're living, you know, even though it might be an Airbnb apartment, it's still not the same as your own place. Yeah. Um, you haven't got your family, you haven't got your friends, you haven't necessarily got the exact support structure that you have in your in your home. So we just decided we would do probably not as many competitions um, as last 2023. So a little bit less in, in competition side of things, but um, also not as long overseas. So he feels fresh. Um, we did that in Tokyo and he obviously ran very well. What about your son, Connor, Andrew? How's he tracking? Mm. And mate, what's that like? <laughs> I'm sure there's pros uh, look, and cons to uh, yeah, working with your son. Um, it's much harder than coaching. <laughs> yeah, I um, bet. I'm like Rowan. I mean, Rowan's a really hard athlete to coach because he is very good. And, you know, I don't want to let him down. So I have to make sure that I'm, I bring my A game and I've researched and I know what I'm doing. Um, I guess when you coach your son, there's another level again um, because it's your blood. And uh, it's very easy, as we all know, to maybe say the wrong thing to your wife or to your partner or, or to your kid. You actually don't mean... But because you are so close to them, it can be very easy to do that. And it's something that I've had to work really hard at um, because I think I was probably far too hard on him initially. But we have a great relationship. You know, I'm dad when it's when it's that role and I'm coach when it's that role. So he's, he's, a, you know, he's a great young man. Are they similar training programs that you have? Like one's a triple jump um, and one's a 100-meter runner? They are comparative in terms of the structures still, you know, we'll have an acceleration focus, we'll have a maximal velocity focus, and we'll have, you know, a running rhythm focus. Um, the only difference is the jumpers obviously have to also jump. So they'll, on top of that, they've got their specific triple jump. They'll have maybe an endurance, like rhythm bounding type of jumping day. And then they'll have like an explosive, you know, maybe a specific so breaking down one of the phases and doing some jumps or some step jumps. I can only imagine, Andrew, how different training is now from when you competed. So oh. what, what role is the New South Wales Institute of Sport? What is it sort of role does it play in shaping an athlete then? Well, it really does. It depends on, on the coach, obviously, but I really maximise all the possible scenarios that we I can so I'm a big fan of science. You know, I went back and did a, a master's when I was in my 40s. Um, so I utilize science wherever I can. So we use a biomechanist twice a week. 
Um, and that really does help us try to work out where our gaps are. And we utilize the technology to, to make sure it's reliable and valid so that we're not going down the wrong track. So once we know the gaps, we can really start to, you know, work the program out exactly what we need to do. Um, so we're very fortunate. N Swiss, you know, they've got OptiJump, which measures ground contact speeds, thread lengths, and frequencies, flight times, all of that. They've got um, Alarveg, which is a laser gun, which uh, monitors the athlete's velocities every meter per second. Um, in the gym, for instance, in strength and conditioning now, you know, there's force plays that, you know, can monitor your power production in newtons or watts. Um, there's velocity-based training, so monitoring how fast you can move the bar. You know, there's um, specific, you know, um, things like Nordboard, which is hamstring strength uh, monitoring, and, and groin bar, which is obviously groin and pelvis and so forth. So there's just so much to it now. Do you do a lot uh, of work on the mental side? Yeah, sports psychology is definitely a really big. It's a lot, you know, it's probably one of the biggest things in a way because if an athlete isn't confident, it's going to be really hard to perform. So a lot of it's just, once again, getting your protocols, um, working out your processes, working out your you know, what happens when you break down, so to speak, when you struggle? You know, okay, how can we put in something in place to eradicate that or to improve that? So it's it's the same as coaching in a way. You, you're always problem solving. You're always trying to think outside the square and go, well, you know, the body, the, the body is a chain. So, you know, if the chain breaks, then, well, maybe I shouldn't look at just where the injury is. I need to look at somewhere else. And invariably, that's what the problem is. Andrew Paris will be here in a heartbeat, and we appreciate your time. I know. It's coming up. It's incredible. Um, it's uh, obviously a really short cycle this time, only three years. We're used to four years, so it, it really has come in thick and fast. Thanks, um, yeah, no, we look forward to seeing Rowan and, of course, your son as well, Connor, and, and Samantha Dale, and seeing how they go heading towards... Uh, the games. Mm. We appreciate your time this morning, mate. No, thanks very much, guys. All the best. AFL season not far away. The Brisbane Lions, they'll be up there again. Very settled squad and uh, he's one of the best in the business in his position. Joining us now, their uh, GM or head of football, Denny Daly joining us. Denny, a very good morning to you. How are you? Morning, boys. How are we? Very well, thank you, and appreciate your time and obviously a devastating finish to a very successful 2023 for the club. And recent history suggests that grand finalists can take a step back the next season. So why should Lions fans be confident that won't be the case? Geez, you're worrying me already now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Swans fans did it tough for a lot of last year after losing to Geelong. So. Yeah, no, no. It's a, look, it's a great question, and uh, to be perfectly honest, we're a little bit concerned about how the boys might come back um, for the start of pre-season after such a, as you said, a devastating loss, um, getting beaten by a few points. But, um, you know, we were just... It was unbelievable the way the boys come back. They were so fit. Um, they're pretty hungry. Um, I think they've, they've sort of got a feel of what it's like to get there for the big dance, and even though we lost, they... Um, it was a great experience for us and a great experience for our team and our club. And um, there's a hunger to get back there again and, and try and win it. So, 
yeah, recent history would suggest what you're saying, but uh, we're pretty confident in our, in our team that, um, you know, we will be okay this year. Yeah, everyone handles it differently, Denny, and coaching staffs go about it in different ways. How has Chris Fagan done it? Has he sat down with the players? Have they reviewed the game? Or is it more about, no, nah, that's happened in the past. It's all about moving forward. Yeah, so after the grand final, um, obviously we flew back and the Monday was a fan day and the Tuesday the boys went out and did what they did. Um, and then we got them all in on Wednesday and um, we just we had a chat about moments, um, big moments in the game that we felt uh, let us down and it was a great conversation. Like the, the whole 23 players brought up you know, a moment or two that they thought they wish they could have again and do things differently and... Yeah. Uh, you know, by coincidence, it was sort of uh, exactly what Fags had in the uh, vision that we showed. So we spoke about that. Um, and this might sound a bit silly, but we also, you know, spoke about celebrating the season. We had such a great season. And, uh, yeah, we fell short and didn't win the, uh, the ultimate. But, you know, let's celebrate the year. Uh, let's let's look at the, uh, the moments that we had and work on those and um, get our minds right for next year. And we did that. Um, we had our best and fairest that night. And... We put it to bed. We haven't really uh, shown any vision from the grand final since we got back. We've obviously spoken about a few things in terms of getting better as we need to, but that was basically a review, done and dusted on the Wednesday, and, and we moved on. Moved on quickly. Yeah. Danny, how hands-on uh, are you with your role? And I guess what have you seen throughout this pre-season that gives you that confidence that you can go that one step <laughs> further this year? Uh, I think I touched on it earlier and I won't go over it again, but just the hunger of the boys. Um, we've had a little bit of a different pre-season this pre-season. We haven't uh, had as many uh, 18 v 18 matches. We tended to have about five or six leading into round into the games that we're starting to play tonight. But we decided just to freshen the boys up and do a lot of school work, um, a, little short, a lot of short-sighted games. Uh, we didn't come back till late in December, just before Christmas. So... Um, We've probably brought a bit more energy to our training rather than a lot of competitive stuff. We felt that over the last five years we've played a lot of football in terms of a lot of finals football and that's where you get your training in terms of competitive work. So our boys are feeling really fresh at the minute. Um, They're very fit. As you can imagine up here in Brisbane, they've always got their tops off, so their bodies are their (laughs) temples, so to speak. Um, Again, we're pretty confident that we've been able to change things a little bit to to bring a bit more energy to the group and, um, yeah, just attack the season, you know, in a couple of weeks' time. I saw the leadership group was announced uh, only a couple of days ago and Lockie Neal and Harris Andrews will again be co-captains. But people hear nine-man leadership groups, Danny, and they would be thinking, what do you need nine men in a leadership group? Can you give us the reasons why there's such a big group of leaders? Yeah, um... I think what what we've done is obviously we've got the four core leaders who work pretty closely with myself and Fags during the year and the other five boys underneath will um, catch up with us every couple of weeks and just provide a bit more of a different uh, perspective from uh, their their angle. Um, they're, they're probably a lot younger, so um, they probably hang around uh, the younger boys a lot more and they can mm. bring some different ideas from that group of players rather than the four older type, if you want to call them that, from... Uh, you know, Lockie and Harris and, and Yui and Josh. So whilst it's a nine-man leadership group, it's relatively four that we'll be working with. The other five will be like just supporting those guys and, and being able to give them a feel about what's going on around the traps with the younger boys and, and how they're feeling, etc. 
The Lions have been the big cheese in Queensland for, well, forever, really, as far as the AFL is concerned. But now the Suns have Damien Hardwick there, Denny. Uh, to what extent are they a threat to your dominance in Queensland? My old mate, Jim Ray. Um, <laughs> oh, look, I, 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 yeah, I'm a bit different than everyone else. I, I think it's great. I think it's great for Queensland footy that Dim has come up and, uh, you know, hopefully the, the Suns can improve. I think there's always a place for two good teams and it makes the rivalry a a bit more special and it promotes football a lot more up here. So, uh, no, look, under Dimmer, they'll be, they'll be a lot better. They'll, uh, they'll improve dramatically this year and, um, you know, they'll be a force to reckon with. But um, I think we've still got a bit of a dominance over them at the minute and we hope to continue that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's good for football, but they'll, they'll get better. Will Ash, Ashcroft, when's he expected to return? Danny? Yeah, Will's on track to be back around, around 12, 13, so around the bye, so... That'll basically be nine, nine and a half months from when he did his knee. So uh, he's tracking really well. Um, he wants to get back in eight months, so we've sort of got to pull him back a little bit. But, um, yeah, he's on track to get back about the bye, and he'll be, he'll be a great addition to our team as we, you know, enter the run home, hopefully to the finals. Well, Carlton, first up, not far away. Looking forward to it and really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for having me on, boys. Have a great day and, uh, yeah, all the best. Thanks, thanks Danny. So Danny Daly there, the GM of football there, the head of football at the Lions. And, uh, yeah, the market has them right up there. Second, They're a good side, you know, $6 to win the price. Very rarely do they lose at home or a clump of games at home. Their biggest challenge, I suppose, is winning in Melbourne and more specifically at the MCG. 15 of their last 16 yeah. they've lost at the MCG. Yeah. But, you know, they were, they were in that grant. They led with, what, four minutes to go? Yeah. And that oh, big a, controversy with the advantage side. paid with, with a minute to go. They could have had a free there. Mm. Could have gone back and slotted the goal and been in front with 60 seconds left. But I'm sure they've lost a lot of sleep over yeah. that. Oh, oh, and probably will for the rest of their yeah, lives. It's interesting to see how they handle it too. I, I, I like that approach, the way that they got it over and done with pretty quickly. Mm. Um, you know, three days, four days after a grand final, spoke about moments. Because sometimes that can linger and sometimes you leave it and come back into your... You know, your first day of pre-season, that first week or whatever it is, and, mm. you know, you're discussing what happened in the past, whereas just let it go. But make sure that you learn from it and understand why those moments happened and why they can't happen again. Um, so they're on the right track. Then their group is as good as anyone, so there's no reason why they can't win it.